For people in our community, nutritious and culturally appropriate food is not always easy to come across. And this is food insecurity. And certain circumstances in one's life can make a person more susceptible to it. Things like generational poverty, the increasing cost of food, or lack of education around nutrition are some of the factors. COVID has also pulled the rug under every aspect of our daily life in Melbourne, including the food system. It's slowed down the supply of food to organisations, including supermarkets and charities. Today, we discuss how local organisations have joined forces to create new pathways for communities to receive that food assistance. And we discuss how they removed barriers and stigma and how they even empower those in need to grow their own food in small city spaces. All right, let's get into it. Hi, my name's Sally. I work as a community development worker at Belgium Avenue Neighbourhood House for the North Richmond Community Capacity Building Initiative. Hi, my name's Peter Christensen. I'm the Food Systems Team Leader at Cultivating Community and we work in community gardens and other community food programs on public housing estates. I'm Tom. I'm the Community Food Project Coordinator here at North Richmond Community Health. I also manage our cafe here. So the word food security has become a bit of a buzzword uh, the last couple of years. I'm wondering what does the word food security mean to you? Kind of maybe food security becoming more at the forefront of people's minds. I can think of like six years ago, we used to do um, film nights at a, a place in Hackney and people used to come and bring food donations for the food bank and maybe... Um, food security may have been something that was people went to food banks for so it wasn't as kind of widely known about mm. and now places like Belgium Avenue Neighbour House and other community organisations have been doing things that have been really widely accessed by people mm. um, so more than um, kind of uh, going to a food bank might have been something that was quite discreet but now it's like becoming yeah more open that people would come and access something for a very wide variety of reasons and like I said the social connection side was a big part of that. I think that's a really good point because um, I think similarly here in Australia and in Melbourne, um, food banks probably, you know, not that they were necessarily hidden, but they were, you know, people would be going there specifically for food relief. Whereas with organisations like Belgium Avenue and North Richmond Community Health and Cultivating Community, we started doing food relief really for the first time. Um, and I think that's what the pandemic brought out was there was a need uh, in the community and that community, that need was always there. I think that that need, uh, you know, was relatively unfulfilled um, or inadequately fulfilled by the other emergency food relief that was available. Mm. However, uh, you know, it became, you know, more to the surface um, over the pandemic and the need became so obvious that um, groups, you know, and organisations had to step up and do that work. And also, as you say, Sally, it's kind of like it was the only thing that we could do to stay connected with our community as well. Mm. Uh, so it sort of served that double purpose, I mm. think. Yeah. Um, so I, I just want to talk a bit about culturally appropriate food. Um, is it simply to cater to preferences for food or is there a deeper value or intention in providing the culturally appropriate food? Because that's a, a service that um, everyone provides here. Um, it's not just... Um, 
I don't know what to call it, Anglo-centred food. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important to value people as individuals and their personal um, beliefs or preferences. So um, if we were doing barbecues, we'd have halal meat, for instance, Mm -hmm. because it would would exclude people if, if we didn't have halal meat for instance mm. and yeah just really yeah valuing people's beliefs and, and their dietary wants and needs and um you know things that are important to in, important to them like I love I'm from the UK and I love Marmite not Vegemite so for me that will bring <laughs> me some level of comfort to have Marmite I'm with you there yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah so just yeah I, I think it's all about understanding people as individuals and not just grouping people into something so that that's the easiest thing to do some hot chips or something Mm. no let's do something also that's created by the community Mm -hmm. um and and the community knows knows best what what they want and like and so if that can be cooked up by people from the community that's the best thing really Mm. and also that it's if you're providing what people want, it's not going to be wasteful mm. because um, I think one of the things that we really found is that, you know, there's no point putting food in a bag that um, that people don't want or don't know how to use or it's not part of their the way that they cook or the things that they eat. And mm. um, so I th- we really sort of tried to think about that when we were growing food through Moving mm. Feast um, for the food relief packs as well. So sort of thinking around Asian greens and, you know, we got feedback that lots of people weren't that into kale. <laughs> so, you know, so stop putting it in the bags. Um, yeah. and, and that's, we'd, you know, we'd have to kind of listen along the way as well and, yeah. um, and adjust. And food, food is like part of well-being, as Sally mentioned. Um, you know, you eat what you want because it makes you feel good as mm-hmm. well as being nutritious. And I think like for food, for food relief and food security, it's about getting food that's appropriate for your, you know, whether it be your personal belief or your religious belief. If you're from a culture that doesn't eat um, gelatin, for example, mm. you might want to save that for the next person that's going to eat that sort of thing. Um, but if you've got an option that doesn't have that, then you're just it's going to help your well-being, not just satisfy like your your needs if you're hungry, but actually, you know, satisfy your personal and religious beliefs as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And in addition to that, I think the other thing that we really tried to do with our food relief and packs was to ensure that they were dignified. Mm. So, you know, much of the food that we had to distribute was um, rescued food from uh, organisations like Second Bite and um, Food Bank and Oz Harvest. And so we were very careful to go through that produce to make sure that what we were distributing was really as fresh as could be. Mm. And then to be able to top up with stuff that was grown in Alfington or at the Collingwood Children's farm and was just bursting with you know freshness and vitality mm. meant that we you know that, that to be able to give those bags that um that you know were clearly um grown and made with love uh, and and you know had um good food in them um, mm. was also very important to us mm. absolutely yeah like if you were just if you're struggling and all you could eat is just like mcdonald's and you know deep fried food that's not actually food security because it's mm. not nutritious and it's not quality and it's not actually going to sort of help you long term you know food security is having like i guess that abundance of things that are going to help you Hmm. you know and knowing where it's going to come from and knowing that um you know you'll get your next meal in that way on the topic of cultivating community actually you've got so many great um food security programs running but in particular you've got programs about um, developing life skills and growing culturally appropriate food 
Can you tell me more about the programs you've got going on at the moment? Sure. Uh, So I guess uh, one of our main programs is our community gardens. So we've got around 20 gardens on various public housing estates around Melbourne, including two in Richmond. Uh, And in terms of food security, you know, that people are able to grow their own food. So Mm. uh, they're not having to rely on the food relief or, you know, even going to the supermarket. Uh, And, you know, we see that as increasingly important, you know, like at the moment, if you go to the supermarket, many of the shelves are pretty empty. But if you are able to grow food yourself, then, um, you know, obviously you're going to have that, you're in control of that supply. Mm. Uh, And you're also able to grow what is appropriate to you and what you like. And, And actually in many of our community gardens, you'll find herbs and vegetables um, that are, you know, specific to different cultures that you can't buy in the, Mm. certainly not in the supermarket. You probably could find them on Victoria Street, but um, they're not widely available. Yeah. Um, And also, you know, the, the, Gardeners in our community gardens are so skilled and, uh, you know, really amazing food growers. And um, how do the gardeners get involved with the... the um the garden. Yeah, what happens there? So, um, you know, the gardens are really visible for mm. people who live on the estate. So if anybody wants a garden, uh, I think, you know, the process is that they'll approach the uh, support worker or ring cultivating community and then we'll go through um, a process where we've got an application form and you may have to wait if there's not a plot available at the time. Mm. Um, and hopefully it's not too long. It might be a kind of, you know, six to 12 month wait right. um, because they do you know people do move and and you know the plots do become available um so that's the process if anybody is wanting a garden please get in touch with us can they sell that commercially or is it just for the no it's for your own um family or Mm. or you know household or you can certainly share with your friends and neighbors but it's not for commercial use yeah how big is the plot they they are uh, around like two by one, two mm. or three metres by one metre. You can, you know, grow a surprising amount of food in that space. And, you know, as I was saying before, the gardeners are so skilled. They really use every inch of that earth um, to produce a bounty of food. a hot day. I'm at the community garden at North Richmond Community Health and it's like a mini jungle in here. There's lots of tall palm fronds hanging over you, the smell of barbecue in the air and the smoke is coming from the wood fire oven here in the community garden and I've actually met one of the gardeners and she's kindly offered to show me around her garden plot in this community garden. My name Anna. Yeah. I'm from East Timor. Hey. This one, tobacco tree. Mm. Yeah. Some people sabo? never know. Tobacco. Tobacco? Mm. Oh, wow. Yeah. We okay. grow nice all my friend, look, this tobacco, it's looking like it. How do you make the tobacco? I tell my grandma will make tobacco. I can make this. Not very good. Mm. This pumpkin. This pumpkin. We eat the pumpkin seed. They live like this, young one. Mm. Japanese pumpkin? No, this pumpkin. Just uh, like the normal pumpkin. Normal no. pumpkin. Yeah. This is our, our tomato. This one, Aruda, this one, smelly. This is our boost medicine. Mm-hmm. Like we wear a cough, you boil in the water, broken one piece, dip in the water, pep tea. This medicine for when yeah. you have a cold. Yeah. yeah. 
high fever every single day gone. Mm-hmm. The kids, little baby, got so belly. Mm-hmm. We rub this with onion to belly. Oh. Very, very hot. So this is your part of land, is it? This one, my, oh, yeah. This is your corn? Eh? You yes, this is my corn. Yeah. All the broken. This, this not the corn, the Australian. We call it maize, Australian call it maize, maize. Maize, yeah. yeah. We eat more the powder, mm. like Australian corn, sweet corn, is you eat like the more water, mm. more sweet. Here, this one more flour, like we eat more flour. More flour. Yes. Mm. How long did it take you to grow? Three months. Three months? Yeah, three months ready, everything. It's so tall. Yeah. Yeah. Then we can eat all the day. Mm. We can roast, we can boil in, we can make soup, corn soup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Then we can pour yeet, we can eat the mm. pumpkin leaf, is pin this leaf, yeah. uh, pumpkin flower. All mm. my country we live in the farm, we grow in rice, rice farm, we working hard. Mm. Now I'm seventy four, soon. You don't look a day over oh, fifty. <laughs> I have nine grandkids. Wow. I have five kids. Mm-hmm. I'm proud my kids everything is good. Mm. Yeah. How long have you had your plot of land for? Here? Yeah. I will here maybe five years now. Five years? Yeah. yeah. And do you you share with other people? Yeah, yeah. We share with all friends all the day. Mm. Do you ever have to go get food from the store or do you get all your food from the garden? From garden here, yeah. Just the garden? Yeah. yeah. Very useful. Yeah, Australian is good. Like, you're really hungry, you go knock somebody's door, people give you bread, people give you clothes. My country know who give you. We all passing around, passing around to finish, finish. Now I'm here. I walk in before I live here for 40 years. I need bring my kids all here. Bring my mom here. My mom don't like. I bring back my mom go. Then I, every year I have my sister, my brother. Like in here calling two cows. My country calling house. We live there. We took house there. We live there. We very happy. Yeah. We got the bed sleeping. We cook outside the tree. Yeah. Finished her coming. Yeah. We happy. My, we never see something more than good, see? Thanks to Anna from uh, the Cultivating Community Garden for showing me around. And we're back in the studio again to continue the conversation with our guests, Tom, Peter and Sally. Um, we did mention like the individual plots that are like one by two metres for all the residents, but we didn't really talk much about the um, big community garden yeah. at the front of like 139. Yeah. Like, how do people get involved in that? Yeah. Yeah. So at the moment, you need to apply for your own plot within the community garden. Oh, okay. And then um, you, you know, fill in an application form and then you get a key. There's um there's a fee. I think it's thirty dollars a year, um or something like that. Uh and um and then you can access the garden whenever you want because you've got your key. And but you still have your own individual plot within. You still the have your own garden. individual plot, and mm. then there are communal areas within the community garden, and then the gardeners, uh, you know, work out together with the garden worker, you know, how's best to manage those plots. So they might grow food for food distribution, for example, mm. or they might grow you know fruit trees or you know other or herbs or things that can be more communally used but I think 
in addition to, you know, this sort of idea of communal garden spaces, which is different to community gardens. So community gardens being more plot based, yeah. but communal gardens being more that anybody can come and access the yeah. garden and, and be part of that, that there are plans for some of those, uh, you know, that some communal gardens to be around the North Richmond estate um, as part of the developments that are happening over the next year. Um, so I think that will be, you know, that's a really interesting model as well so that, you know, because not everybody wants to have a community garden and, you know, some people just want to come in and out and garden, you know, like um, together with other people or, you know, in a more ad hoc way. So I think there'll be more of those opportunities to come in North Richmond. Thomas, you run the cafe at North Richmond Community Health, which is kind of a unique position for a cafe to be in. Um, most cafes are focused on just getting as many coffees over the counter as, as fast as possible. Um, so I'm curious as to how your unique position has um, positioned you in your role as a cafe manager. Yeah, so I guess our cafe is pretty unique. Um, firstly, as you said, uh, I guess turning a profit isn't the absolute number one um, objective of the cafe, although it is important mm -hmm. and it will keep me in the job, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but uh, I guess it comes down to three things with our cafe. Firstly, because it's in the community health centre, it's uh, one of the purposes is to be affordable for the whole community. So the prices are relatively low and we can do things like um, create a pay it forward system. So someone who has a bit more expendable income um, can come to the cafe and maybe pay for the next person's coffee who wouldn't have so much. So we can try to keep things relatively affordable for everyone. Um, we're also, uh, the cafe is managed through the Healthy Communities team, which I'm a part of, and we're linked with health promotions. So we're trying to make our cafe, cafe as healthy as possible. And we're working on systems to be able to sort of label our most healthy food all the way to the, the little sweet snacks that you just want, you know, a couple times a week <laughs> for mm. a bit of a sugar hit as well. But be able to provide really nutritious food for everyone in the community. And then I think one of the most important things as well that we can do there is be really, really diverse uh, diverse with the food that we provide and really, really respectful to everyone's cultural needs, have those halal meats available, have those vegan options. Um, another great thing about the cafe there is that we're positioned, for those who don't know the cafe, we're right there. As you walk into the community health center, we're just on the right-hand side with a big alfresco area out the front as well. So it's really, really visible. And I think throughout the lockdown, I've really seen how it's a it's a safe place for people to come and have a conversation. Um, you know, during the lockdown when everything else was closed, but the community centres open and the cafes stayed open the, pretty much the whole time through that, maybe closed for maybe a month there or so. But otherwise, we were there to be a place for people to come and build those so, that so, sort of social connections that they're missing out on, Yeah, which I think was really important. And that's what cafes do, you know. They're mm. not just about food. They're also about social connections. Mm. So for us to be able to do that in an environment that's like really, really diverse um, and be able to provide food to all those different sorts of people at affordable prices is, is what we're able to do there. And uh, moving forward, we're finding opportunities to include members of the community to uh, cook a whole lot more so we'll be setting up um, what's called the community kitchen connect which will be a program where members of the community can cook for the community uh, they can produce meals that we can sell through the cafe and the funds go back to them and um, you know utilize our kitchen there that's been relatively underutilized um, 
since I've started here to be able to grow that into a hub for these community members to cook their amazing food because as we all know in this room there's some amazing cooks out in our community that cook meals that I've never never seen before and haven't tasted anything like that um, because it's you know really traditional recipes from where they grew up or mm. their par parents generations have passed those sort of recipes down and they're really proud of those sorts of meals and to, to be able to give them a place um, to cook those um, and for their community will be awesome. And obviously I, I should mention that Barn is already doing something very similar. So we're obviously just trying to work out a way that we can work together and you know increase that even more. So these organisations, they usually kind of operate in silos but independently. So did you notice that every the level of collaboration would have um, come together in the in the um, food support industry. Absolutely, I think it's a collaboration that probably wouldn't have been there until you're thrown into a dire <laughs> situation where yeah. the need is really present. I think that this lockdown, these lockdowns have kind of almost forced us to be a little bit more proactive with building those sort of like social connections and relationships. When I started in this role that I'm in, one of the first things I did was try and reach out to the other organizations in the community and say, hey, what are the food needs here? Because I don't currently know. Um, I'm new to the area. I don't know what's important. And we were lucky enough to set up a little group with uh, members from Belgian Avenue Neighborhood House like Connor and Sally mm -hmm. and Julia and Eloise and Gemma from Cultivating Communities and a few other members from North Richmond to just sort of talk about, well, what are the needs of the community? Um, because the best way to find that out is just by actually having conversations with people from the community and who are already doing that same sort of work rather than trying to do everything yourself and, and doubling up on what uh, other organizations are already trying to do with help. We're going to work better together. Mm. Okay, here we are at Belgium Avenue. We're hearing music from Tanzania and it's a drumming workshop presented by Missouri Dance. Kids and their parents come here to play the drums and eat lots of fresh fruit and other things they cook up here at Belgium Avenue. What's your name? Kingston. Hi Kingston. What's your favourite pizza topping? Uh, pineapple and ham. That's a controversial choice, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, that's a good, it's a good place. <laughs> and have you ever had pizza here? Uh, no, not just yet, but I think I'm going to. I think today. Oh, today. Are you going to make it? Uh, no. No? You're going to get it made for you. That's pretty lucky. Yep. yep. What's your name? Mary. <laughs> What's, we've been talking about healthy eating today. What's your kid's favourite food? Uh, well, I wish he would like more fruits and veggies, but Eli loves chips, hot chips, um, and he also loves fruits as well. Yeah. We need to work on a vegetable part. Mm. Um, were you able to access any of the food services at Belgium Avenue? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think every Wednesday. Um, yeah, I think every Wednesday they were handing out fruit and veggies, and so yeah, we were able, it's easy access. Yeah, we're able to get some. Yeah. Yeah. Did they have the types of foods that you were after? Uh, yes, they do. They have fruit and veggies, which is great. Um, so, yeah, we're able to access. And, yeah, we can, we can just come here to the factory and grab everyone. So, so. Mm. 
We're back in the studio for the third part of the interview. Tell me about how you um, included COVID, um, you disseminated COVID information with your food pro- support programs. We, we had the North Richmond Community Health um, uh, Hurrah team come along. So they'd be um, sharing lots of information each week, um, encouraging people to get vaccinated and um, kind of getting a, a sense of how people were feeling. Um, and yeah, that was a key key partnership in us, um, in us seeing people and, and being able to deliver the food security and being able to get those health messages across and because I suppose because it was over such a period of time as well there was opportunities to build trust with people Mm. as well that um, because you're seeing them frequently it's not just a kind of one-off you should do this or whatever it's kind of like even if you don't speak the same language you're able to build rapport and relationships and recognition so Mm. um yeah, and because it was also, I think, ever-changing, wasn't it? So being able to have that kind of up-to-date information and in language and sometimes with interpreters uh, was really helpful for people. And I, I remember one day I had someone that came with a letter and they were really unsure about what was happening because they had a letter from the department to say that there'd been traces of COVID found in the water in their building and then they took it to mean that they couldn't use the water in their building. Um, so, you know, just some of those little um you know translation issues Mm. that we might not realize um but we were able to kind of sort out through that weekly um as sally said that sort of relationship building and and trust and also having uh working with the yarra libraries team to help people put their vaccination status onto their phones or to print a hard copy you know i think that otherwise would have been very very difficult for many people mm. yeah, having a community event so even something as simple as food relief is an opportunity to have all those sort of people that have those sorts of questions have those questions answered um in a space where everyone's available you know and there's also another reason for them to be there like it's almost an incentive it's like um, providing a service and then being able to get that important messaging across at the same time that's one thing that food can do I just want to finish off by asking you who can access the service is it for anyone or is it um, you know just for people in certain circumstances with healthcare card Um, would you how what kind of invitation would you put out to people I'd say currently we're not running the programs um that we were running during lockdown mm-hmm. um so the kind of weekly food distribution isn't happening right now but we are doing um a, a caravan on a friday which cultivating community make the amazing bread at um and that happens on a friday from 12 till 2 and there's things happening a couple of times a week in collingwood as well um but i mean for the for the project that i work on it's predominantly focused on people who live right here in the north mm-hmm. richmond housing estate yeah. But yeah, barn services are accessed more widely than that as well. Uh, our food relief market is currently once a month. So it's the second Friday of the month uh, on the Fitzroy Public Housing Estate, and that's open to anybody. Yeah. Uh, but programs like our community gardens and um, some of our other uh, community food uh, programs uh, are for people who live on those public housing estates and anyone can come along and bake with us um, on Mondays in Fitzroy too. And yeah, our cafe, as I said, is part of the North Richmond Community Health Centre just inside there. And we're open from 8.30 till 3, Monday to Friday. And mm-hmm. anybody from not just the community, but broader is, is welcome to come and um, try, try our coffee, try our food. Um, we'll be open for you. 
so the last couple of years have been um, particularly um, hectic for everyone who works in food security. Um, what kind of message would you have for everyone you've worked with in food security? Uh, maybe just a massive thank you to everyone who supported the food programs from all the organisations, all the volunteers, all the community members that came. Like it, it was, it was massive. And yeah, we um, just thinking back to what Peter was saying about culturally appropriate food and and doing get, giving people what they want. Otherwise, things will get wasted. Um, and yeah, I think um, kind of understanding and asking people what they do want and then feeding that back to people that were wanting to make donations like igniting change. Um, say they'd, they'd ask us what are the top five things people want. So really trying to be as responsive as possible. Um, but yeah, just huge thank you to everyone. I'll say a bit of a thank you to the Healthy Communities team. Um, the health, health promotion really help us to be able to provide the right sort of foods for people as well. And if anyone wants to know more information about um, the health services that we have available, come and chat to us at the cafe or reception at North Richmond Community Health and we can definitely point you in the right direction. I also wanted to absolutely thank all, all of the people who have contributed to food relief, but also to say how exciting it is to have been connected with each other um, now. And we look forward to what we're all going to do going forward. Thanks to my guests, Tom from North Richmond Community Health, Peter from Cultivating Community, Sally from Belgium Avenue, and my Vox Pop guests, Anna, Mary, and Kingston. Thanks for sharing your thoughts and experiences, and it was good to learn how pandemic need and local collaboration have driven innovative ways to serve our food insecure community members. And I'd love to see all the great work that you've done. I admire all the work and the effort that you've put into it. So thank you. Um, that's it for today. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to being with you next time. I'll see you then.